podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Hills Podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And hello. Hola. 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 A whole lot of hola. A whole lot of holas. Yeah. How's it going? What's going on? Not too bad. Um, as you notice, I'm eating flaming Hot Funyuns, which are <laughs> an a not so new obsession of mine. So I'm sorry. I'll mute the sniffles. I tried to mute. I hit the wrong button. <laughs> she says that because uh, she was sniffling, and I was like, "Are you eating something spicy?" As she's got this uh, funyun in her hands, because I'm like, "That's not a normal funyun." <laughs> why is it red? <laughs> I figured out why it was red pretty quick, but sometimes, you know, why uh, I didn't know it could have been like barbecue for all I knew. Yeah, I'm just saying, if you like funyuns and you like flaming hot Cheetos. Man, I'm telling you, flaming hot funyuns are the way to go. Okay, but what if I like the flaming hot Cheetos with the lime, with the limon? Oh, those are so good. Yeah, see, those are the best. I did see at Walmart the other day, uh, flaming hot limon uh, chicharrones, and I almost got those because that also sounds up. delicious. That sounds heavenly. I have to go back to Walmart today um, because I told you where me and James are going to start pulling up carpet later. So I have to get a couple more things for that. So I might come home with it like a mop for hardwood floors and some lemon. You should come home that way. Mm -hmm. I think you'll be safe doing that. It's fine. It's not for me. It's for the baby that I haven't told anybody that I'm making yet. Oh, well, it sounds like you're telling them now. Yeah, we finally told our families. Oh, so <laughs> yeah. So, this hey, is, listeners, Amanda's got news. It's a boy. It's it's a boy. We're it very was, excited. <laughs> we are excited. It was a surprise, and it took us some time to uh, <laughs> to swallow it. But it's a boy. Is that better? That sounded better. Yeah, that sounded more convincing. Like you were, okay. what the hell? Maisie, what are you touching down there? My That's screen quick. just went black. Uh oh. Maisie? Can, we can still see you. Okay, well, I'm glad, but I can't see you, which means I can't see anything on my screen. <laughs> what the hell's going on here? We're working okay. blonde. Well, I can't see anything. Bryce is. I can see everything. Which, by the way, guys, she's wearing um, a legalized marinara shirt, and it's great. It has a pizza slice on it. You do what you need to do. I'm going to tell them about your shirt. So it's a black shirt with a pizza slice on it. What happened? Oh, my God. Did she chew a cord? Yeah. <gasps> oh, no. Did you can see this. The mom. <gasps> this is to my mother. Oh, my God. I don't think it's she intentionally did it because she was playing with... um. With a ball under the... Damn it, Oh, no. I was going to say, I've never known her to chew cords. She used to, and she doesn't anymore. Except for this one instance. Well, this cord, I think she had already chewed up a little bit, just from like her being a little puppy way back when. Right. Yeah. And it was just working just fine. And I think with her playing with her ball underneath, underneath the desk she just hugged it just right because that's the spot where it was damn it Maisie this was an expensive monitor I was gonna ask is there a way to just like keep the monitor and replace the cord like that's a thing right yeah. replacement cord was, yeah I'm sure but I um I can't exactly look it up right now oh true because you don't have a monitor okay give me one second hold on okay Hold on, we're connecting. I'm patient. I have funions. Well, Maisie, thank you for making things an adventure, as always. Oh, my God. Now I have a tiny monitor, and this is kind of bullshit. <laughs> well, that was fun. That was fun. Uh, as you can see, I think this is the spot we had it taped. Mm -hmm. And I think her just playing under there just pulled at it just right. 
Don't play under my feet anymore, dog. Because she gets under there a lot, right? Like, that's her little space, her safe space. Well, normally she'll just sleep next to my feet, so I just wasn't expecting that. I just mean, like, it might have been, like, an overtime thing. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But it was just not... It was the uh, last thing I expected to happen just now. So now my big fancy monitor is... Kaput for the time being, at least. Yeah, now I gotta go Amazon a new cord. All right, well, we can blame Maisie for what just fucking happened. <laughs> oh, Welcome back, everybody, including Bryce. Yeah, so excited to be back. Well, that was an adventure. So for anyone wondering, um, the cord to my monitor just broke. So I was without. In the dark. Uh, yeah, I was literally in the dark. We could see her, but she could not see us. Yeah, so <laughs> good thing nothing else went down in that time being. <laughs> but now all my screens are really small. And I'm not used to it. <laughs> Do we need to give you some time to change the font? <laughs> uh, no, it should be fine because it's just control and zoom in. Anyways, all right. Well, that was fun. Um, back to your news. So we were talking about Amanda with El Bebe. Yes. Um, <clears throat> baby number two, which is due five days before baby number one's birthday. So that's um, um, expensive. Seems like you're just glutton for punishment. Yeah. So now all three kids have November birthdays. So at least it's like one month and we're done. Well, way to go. Well, uh, I'm excited for you. I am really excited. I am 15 weeks now. So I told my dad, I mailed them little boxes. And in the boxes were pictures of Annie that had like promoted to big sister uh, on mm -hmm. her shirt. And she was holding a balloon that said baby boy. And I mailed it to my family. And my dad, he opened his and then he texted me a lot of cuss words. So he's very happy. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Because this will be, he has, he has Annie and then he has um, my son's daughter. But this will be his first grandson. He does have Jack, okay. but he's never, he's never met Jack. Is that just because Jack doesn't go down with you guys? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to make up. My family's very loud, and I'm not going to make him do that until he's ready. So You're way nicer than I am. <laughs> They're also very excited, them as in my family, um, because I was adamant on I was done. Uh -huh. And then, um, well, I was taking medicine, so we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. But, yeah, after this, like, I've already talked to my doctor. I'm like, hey, this is going to be it. And she's like, cool, let's get this one out, and then we'll talk about it. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. But I originally wanted least... two. I'm sorry? No, sorry, what were you saying? I was just saying I originally wanted two kids, so it it worked out. I'm just scared of feeding two Annies, because that girl can eat. Uh, I don't know how to help you there. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm really upset about this stupid monitor no i blame you because if you're like me like i have a very specific place for everything on i have two monitors and there's everything has a place and everything needs to be in its place so when that gets messed up especially if you go from a bigger to a smaller one i understand wanting everything to be where it should be and also it's kind of important for us to be able to read while we do this yeah, um, there's that, and then also the monitor I had to steal is for my work setup. So that doesn't really help me much either, because I have to move it back for work tomorrow. <laughs> oh, no. <sighs> Anyways, that's, that's all I got for you. I don't have much of anything else. This is just too much as is. Well, um... Not counting today, how has your week been? Um, yeah, put that down. Very... 
Oh, you were telling me to put it down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't she's... Even realize I was holding it like. Yeah, she's been holding the um, <laughs> the adapter, the cord for this whole time. So she's a little upset, I think. Uh, I'm very upset. Um, my week has been a little busy. Um, I think. So not to rat us out or anything, but Amanda and I found out that Amanda uses WebEx, which means that I being uh, the person oh, yeah. or the the company I work for, um, I can message Amanda while we're both at work via WebEx, our work accounts, even though we're not working together, which is great for me because I can just bug you anytime now. I mean, it's no problem to me as long as I'm not giving you like account and customer information, which I don't do, so... Oh, except for that one time. <laughs> I'm just teasing. That's okay. He deserved it. Oh, okay. No, we're totally kidding. Um, I didn't do that. <laughs> anyways, it, it's just been a busy week. It's been... um, Let's just put it this way. I've had two customers this week who, on the same day, they both escalated issues, which means that it goes above me because they either are upset that I can't fix it or um, or I just can't fix it. And I sent it up to say, hey, this is kind of a not me problem anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's that. Um, on the same day, like I said, both of them, is- issues escalated. I told you about the one that was real fun. <laughs> Made me laugh for hours. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I broke this customer without knowing that I broke. Not only did I break this customer, I broke multiple customers, okay? Um, basic gist is this customer was changing their phone numbers from one system to another. So I went ahead and I said, hey, a person on my team, please change this information so that it points from system A to system B. And then they did that. They did what I asked. And we started making test calls to validate it was working, it worked for me. I don't know what everyone else's issue was. Everything worked just fine for me. But basically, like, if you think of, like, a server, we have well, these phones are, I mean, this isn't the right terminology, but the phones are basically hitting the server, and the calls broke our first part of the server. So the redundant server was then running, or the backup server. And then as we continued to make these test calls to this <laughs> one specific number, we then the first one was trying to reboot because, you know, we made it crash. Right. And then we continued making test calls and we crashed the redundant server, quote unquote server, um, mm-hmm. which then took out multiple customers, including our own business telephone numbers. So my question is, was there a way to um, the- avoid this happening? Because that sounds like something that, number one, did you even know you did that? I did not know until after because I, and I I don't think we would have known had it happened. So it's not like someone would have said, hey, you're not supposed to do this. It's basically a bug in the software. It saw what was happening with this specific phone number, didn't know what to do, and it crashed everything. And I'm just confused. Like, why, what, what did it have against this phone number? Um, this phone number in question was set up in such a way that it's a new type of setup for us. Like this is the first customer we're doing this setup with. And so it just wasn't compatible with the setup that we had on our end, which I didn't create this setup. I didn't do that. That was not me. I just follow orders, right? (laughs) But basically. It it just wasn't compatible, and you sound because like the unfortunate guinea pig in this situation. Uh, oh no, I for sure am. I like, there's no doubt in my mind that I was just the unfortunate guinea pig. I did, however, learn. So basically, what we had to do was that number. We had to move it from one of our service, uh, one of our service carriers to another because then it took away that issue. Plus, the numbers that we tested were already on anyways point is is now i know that every time this customer wants to move numbers from the old system to the new one i have to send all this information to my back-end team and say is this gonna break something <laughs> and they've already found six more numbers that had i not checked it would have broken something 
Oh, so from what I'm hearing, <clears throat> not only were you the unfortunate guinea pig, it's unfortunate, not unfortunate. I just made a word up. I'm just unfortunate on everything. <laughs> so you were the unfortunate guinea pig, but also you discovered and fixed an issue that nobody had found beforehand. I mean, I'm not fixing it. I'm just discovering it and telling someone else to fix it. But you discovered it and led to a solution being found. Yes. Yeah. I think you need to update your resume. I should. Yeah. Great at breaking shit, but also great at fixing it. <laughs> Verbatim. Yes. No, <laughs> not great at fixing it. Great at leading others to fixing it. Great at delegating. <laughs> Um, yes. So that was fun. This is how I learned that I'm the one that broke it. They send out this, uh, basically like notice to like everyone just to say, Hey, this is what happened. And they didn't like throw me under the bus. They just said customer XYZ moved a number because of how it's set up. It caused blah. And they explained that whole thing. And I'm just there laughing my ass off because I'm like, Oh, I am the cause for all of my issues today. I am so happy to hear that. But it was also completely out of your control. Yes, yes. And out um, of your domain. Oh, for sure. Like, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I did everything on my end correctly. We just didn't know it was going to break everything. <laughs> this week, ma'am, let me just tell you. So we're all glad this week's over, from what I'm hearing. Oh, I'm so glad this week was over. I'm not ready for money. <laughs> it's fine. But anyways, that's my story. That's my nightmare of a work week. Um, we can move on from it. I'm done reliving it. Um, well, I did want to share one last thing. Um, I told you that a couple towns over, like it's a, not a long drive. It's just a little travel. There's a town in Arkansas that was doing Pickle Fest this weekend. Uh-huh. And I think I had finally talked James into going. We were going to take the kids. We we're going to have a great time. I did have to work Saturday because if I have a doctor's appointment, I'll just take like a half day or something and then work Saturday and I don't have to use my sick time because obviously I'm going to need that in November. So I worked Saturday and we were going to go to this pickle fest, pickle festival when I got off work. And it sounds great. Like there's a rodeo at night. You know, they've got fried pickles. They've got a petting zoo. They've got like arts and crafts. It's just supposed to be a really fun time right yeah um so that morning annie's doing nothing but sleeping and i go to leave and i'm like hugging i'm dressed for work you know i'm walking out the door and i'm hugging her and i'm like i'm so sorry you feel bad and she projectile vomits um what did not used to be old chunky milk all over me um so it was everywhere i had to change my shirt and the smell set me off so i'm like james you gotta take her i'm about to puke i'm about to puke i'm about to puke so he takes her and as soon as she take as soon as he takes her she exorcist vomits all over the kitchen floor um and she was sick pretty much all day like she slept all day we still don't know what it was the only thing we can figure is maybe it was her teeth making her feel bad because she's only got like four more molars left and she's done for now yeah for now which is a whole nother thing apparently James has accepted it, but it's weird that I want to keep all her teeth in a cute little jar when she loses them. But yeah, we uh, we did not go to Pickle Fest. Are you so upset that you did not go to Pickle Fest? Like, I'm pregnant. That was a festival that they put on specifically for me. Yeah. Yeah, for me and me alone. It's not something they do every year for many years. It's for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I am sad that I didn't get, at the very least, fried pickles. but. I think I think my daughter is more important. I think that's how that works. You could have stopped by on your way home from work. I thought about it, but I didn't know. There was also a parade. So I was really like, I got to get the hell out of here before this parade comes. I got to get on the interstate so I can get home. Because I was oh, yeah. not getting trapped there. Unless they threw pickles. If they threw pickles like Mardi Gras style, oh, I'm real mad I missed that parade. I bet you anything they did. Like a pickle in a bag, thrown at Mardi Gras style. Oh, I missed out. I should have just wrecked. <sighs> you should have. So yeah, we both had not so happy weeks. 
Well, I'm glad I wasn't the only one. It's the platonic soulmate thing going on here. Well, I'm going to need you to have a good week next week so I can have a good week. You know what? I'm going to try, but I have one customer upset with us, and I'm the one that has to deal with them, so. Oh. Well, tell them to act right before you break their shit. You've done it before. I've done it once. I'll do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, they, you know, I will say this about the company I work for. They very much support my decisions with, like, customers, so. God, it's great when managers have your back. Yeah, definitely. uh, Definitely great there, so. I appreciate all of that. But yeah, so anyways, <laughs> are you ready to start in stories? I am. I am ready. Before we do, I just want to call out that we do have our, or we do post all pictures on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those things, Hell on Heels podcast, except for Twitter is Hell on Heels pod. Um, you can email us if you have ideas, suggestions, want something specific, words of encouragement, whatever. Podcast at gmail.com. We do have our Patreon up and going. We also have our link tree, which has all the links to all the things. So link tree, if you just type in link tree Hell on Heels podcast, you should be able to find us just fine. Um, and then I think that's it. Are you ready for a story? I'm ready, but this feels sad. I mean, they're all sad, but the pictures make me feel like it's going to be really sad. Okay, well... Okay, so (laughs) I'm a glutton for punishment is what it is. What Um, did you do? So, I know you remember the Kellyanne Bates case and the Mm -hmm. Junko Fatira case? Yeah. So I told you I got those two from the same, like I got the inspiration to do those from the same place. What is this damn website that you keep (laughs) using to torture me? You can blame the thought catalog, okay? okay. Um, but I also found this case on that same webpage. Same article, same webpage. It's not as, okay, it's horrible. Um, there is no details of torture involved. Okay, there, at least I've got that. But they still happened. Uh, we don't know. Oh. Okay, cool. So okay. we're going to be talking about the the death of Dorothy Jane Scott. Have you ever heard of this case? All the pictures on the drive are of Dorothy. So Dorothy Jane Scott, she was born on April 23rd, 1948. Couldn't find a lot about her early childhood, which I mean, I think that means her early childhood was normal. I mean, yeah. Yeah, right? No, I would, I would think so. Yeah. In the mid to late 70s, Dorothy would go on to have a little boy named Sean. And she was a single mother. Um, From what I could find, she was a very loving mother. She loved her son, took really good care of him any way that she could. His father did not live locally, so he wasn't able to provide support. So her and her son lived with Dorothy's aunt in Stanton, California. She was not estranged from her parents. In fact, her parents actually watched their grandson while Dorothy would be at work in Anaheim. And it worked out really well. Her parents lived in Anaheim. Not that Stanton and Anaheim are far from each other, but her work was in Anaheim. Her parents lived in Anaheim. She could drop her son off with her parents and they would take care of him. Okay, yeah. So it, it, like you said, it all worked out. Yeah. Now, she was a single mother. She did work as a secretary for, it's two Anaheim stores, but under the same umbrella. Um, the Swingers Psych Shop, which sold what was described as psychedelic items. So, like, love beads, lava lamps, hippy-dippy stuff. Oh, love it. Yep. And then there was also the Custom John's Head Shop. So, she would just go between the two. Again, they were, like, under the same umbrella. Okay. Do you know what a head shop is? Because I had to Google it. Do you think I know what a head shop is? I do think you know what a head shop I is. I know exactly what a head shop is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, I've been in them many, many times. So Amanda will correct me if I'm wrong, but for anyone like me who's like, what the hell is a head shop? Um, it's basically like paraphernalia for cannabis and tobacco. So like your pipes, things to smoke it. I don't know. I couldn't find that they actually sold it. So yeah, they now they probably didn't no. sell that back then, but before uh, multiple states, it's legal either recreationally or medically, but they would still smell what? Sorry. They, they would, would still sell, smell it. They would smell. <laughs> I guarantee you they smell like it. <laughs> they would sell the utensils that you would use um, to prepare it to um, 
to smoke it. They they have little trinkets and stuff all the time too. It was it's a hippie store. Let's let's go with that. Yeah. So point is is that that's where she worked. Dorothy, she was actually a devout Christian. She did prefer to stay home. She was very quiet. She was not known to drink or do dr- drugs regardless of where she worked. She was working there for an income to take care of her son. And she was described as just a very kind person. She didn't really date much. Uh, It was described that she would date on occasion, but no one knew of any steady relationship that she had. So she might have gone out on a couple dates, but nothing serious. Sounds like she was just focused on her son. That's kind of how I took it, is she was just, you know, she already had her son. She's... Like, she has a job, but she's... She's doing it for him. Like, yeah, she's making it work. Yeah. In late 1979 or early 1980, I couldn't get a clear dates on this. She would actually start getting some strange phone calls while she was at work. Strange. I know I'm going to regret that. Well, I mean, you were going to know anyways. The calls were from a man that she was not familiar with. She didn't know who it was. They didn't identify themselves. Uh, Though she did say that the voice seemed familiar, she just couldn't place it. However, the caller would tell her that he loved her. He would constantly profess his love for Dorothy. But he would also um, tell her on numerous occasions that he intended to also kill her. That's not the same thing. Those things don't, that's not, that's not love, bud. I'm not a therapist, but that's not a healthy. That's not healthy to love someone and want to kill them. No. On one event, the man would call and tell Dorothy to go outside and insist to go outside because they had left a present for her. No. When she does, on the windshield of her car was a single dead rose. Okay. That's, no. I don't, oh no. The story's starting to sound familiar. The calls would continue to come and they just kind of escalate. In one call, the man reportedly told Dorothy that he would get her alone and cut her into bits so no one would ever find her. And in some sources in this call, he would even go on to describe to her what she was wearing that day. Okay. Um, okay. I, I really less than like this. It was clear. Dorothy had a full-blown stalker on her hands, right? It's very clear. We all know. Was this before stalking laws? Yes. Oh, crap. Because those, from my understanding, I don't know when they come about, but they're, like, relatively recent. Mm-hmm. This is in the early, early 80s. This is actually in 1980. Okay. I thought the stalking laws were, like, established in the 80s, but I'm not sure. But I know it's, like, it used to be really hard to get somebody in trouble for stalking because it technically wasn't, there was nothing wrong with it. The U.S. Congress enacted the first federal stalking law in 1996. And the first anti-stalking law was passed in California in 1990. That's insane. It's it's crazy to think that stalking laws originated in my lifetime. Also, shut up, I'm old. Everybody leave me alone. It's fine. Lost my screen. Hold on. Again? Well, Sorry. this time it's working. I just couldn't find the right tab. Thank you. Sorry, I was making a bad joke on Macy's. I account. know what you're doing. <laughs> I'm still just bitter about it. <laughs> anyway, so the stalker, I mean, stalking today is different than stalking in the 80s. Because in the 80s, you had to be very dedicated. You had, like, if you were mm-hmm. going to follow them, you were going to follow them. And you had to be unseen. Like, crazy, crazy amounts of things. Today, you can't just find my friend, right? Yeah, you don't just have Facebook and AirTag. Right. So it's very different. So Dorothy, she, at this point, she's expressed her fears to friends, family. In some reports, she had gone to law enforcement, but there was nothing they could really do. And she is very fearful from these calls. So much so that she actually begins purchasing a handgun for her own protection. But in fear that her son would accidentally get a hold of this handgun and hurt himself, she does drop the idea of getting a gun. She would, however, enroll in karate lessons in about mid-May of 1980 as a form of self-defense. Okay, badass. On May 28th, 1980, at about 9 p.m., Dorothy was at at a work meeting, um, store closed meeting with all of the staff. And during this meeting, Dorothy would notice that her coworker Conrad Bostrom 
he didn't look real well. She also noticed that there was some red marks on his arm that were alarming. And out of concern, Dorothy and her coworker Pam Head, they're like, okay, let's take Conrad to the hospital because there's something wrong. So they leave the meeting. They take Conrad to the emergency room. Just prior to heading to the ER, they stopped by Dorothy's parents' house so that Dorothy could quickly check on her son. She also needed to let her know her parents know the situation and that she would be picking up Sean, her, her little boy, later that day or later that night because of what was going on. Right. Couldn't just call her from a cell phone. Right. And while at her parents' house, she actually would change her scarf from a black scarf to a red scarf. And then the work trio, like just small details. And then the work trio heads to the ER. And at the UC Irvine Medical Center, staff and doctors, they find that Conrad Bostrone had been bitten by a black widow. Oh, no. So they begin treatment on him. Dorothy Scott and Pam Head waited in the ER during Conrad's treatment. They're just hanging out. And Pam and Dorothy are together the entire time. At about 11 p.m., Conrad Bostrone, he's being discharged. They've gotten him stable. He may not feel great yet, but he's stable. And... They've given him prescription for antibiotics, medicine, whatever it is. I believe most sources says antibiotics. And Dorothy Scott and Pam Head, they're, like I said, they're together this entire time. But Dorothy's like, okay, hey, I'm going to run out and grab my car. Because he looks really weak and I don't want him walking all the way out to my car in the ER parking lot. So she runs to the bathroom, runs out to her car. And... Pam Head, she's like, okay, well, I'll stay with Conrad. We'll get his prescription filled and we'll just go wait for the for you by the exit. And after a little bit, they filled the prescription. They're waiting for several minutes at the exit and they don't see any sign of Dorothy. So Pam and Conrad decide, okay, well, let's just go out to the parking lot instead of waiting here. And that's when they see Dorothy Scott's car speeding straight towards them. And they begin waving their arms, thinking, oh, Dorothy must, something must have distracted her. She's trying to hurry up and get over here. So they're waving their arms, making it very clear that that they're right there. But the car would speed right past them and out of the parking lot. Now, they were not able to see who was driving because the headlights were flashing in their eyes. So they just couldn't see into the vehicle. Well, that feels deliberate. Well... Pam and Conrad, initially, they're like, okay, well, I wonder if something happened with her son. And she just found out, like, about it, called to check on her, her son and her parents are freaking out or something. Oh, yeah. And so she's she's out of here trying to go figure out things with her son. And they're kind of like, we, we don't know what to do right now. But after several hours of silence from Dorothy, they would go on to report her missing because it was out of character for her. On May 29th, 1980, following day... At around 4.30 a.m., Dorothy Scott's car was found burning in an alley about 10 miles away from the hospital. There was no sign of Dorothy or anyone else nearby. And the police at this point now believe that Dorothy has been abducted. I feel like you've got a pretty good lead there. Yeah, pretty good hunch. Now, at the time, Dorothy is 32 years old and her son is four years old. Oh, my God. So, police... They reach out and they question Dennis Terry, the father of her son. But he was in Missouri and he was quickly cleared as a suspect. Like there was no physical way for him to be involved. Police would also go on to start investigating customers at the stores that she worked at. But there was just nothing. They, they couldn't find anything. And they also instructed Dorothy Scott's parents to not speak to the press. Because they're, they're wanting to bring her home alive. They don't want to do anything to trigger this person because they believe she's still alive at this point. Do they know about the phone calls that she had been? Did anybody tell her about the phone calls that she had been getting? And the... I'm sure her parents told them about the phone calls. Okay. Oh, God. So about a week after Dorothy's disappearance, her parents would receive a call from an unknown man. The only thing said on this call was, are you related to Dorothy Scott? I've got her. Before the line went dead. Oh, that. Okay. That feels really unnecessary um um it's about to get even more unnecessary because almost every wednesday afternoon the scott family would be filled with dread as they waited the attacker would call almost every single wednesday afternoon to taunt the family that's just a whole new like like what are you bored and now you're doing this because you you're trying to relive it or i just i don't understand I don't understand how people do any of this, but especially the the, the mental 
torture afterwards is just a whole mm-hmm. new low. Yeah, and he would call and tell the family that either he had Dorothy or he had killed her. And this typically happened when Vera, Dorothy's mother, was home alone. That's when he called? Uh-huh. Oh, that's even, oh, that's even, I got goosebumps. The calls were all very brief. I mean, very short amount of time that they're on the calls. Throughout these calls, they would share small details about Dorothy that were not released to the public. Things as what she was wearing. Um, that she had stopped at her parents' house prior to go to the ER, that he knew that he she was at the ER for her coworker and a black widow bite. Just what? random small details. He even knew about the black widow bite? Uh-huh. Oh, the, oh my, wait, didn't you say Dorothy was the one that saw the red marks on her coworker? Yeah, but the, it's not related to the attacker. Well, no, I was just saying, like... I was just going to say that that's even more sad because she went missing there, but she she also probably saved that man's life. Oh, yeah. These calls, so Dorothy went missing in 1980, and these calls would continue through to April 1984. They ended after Jacob Scott, her father, would answer the phone, and the caller said nothing and hung up the phone. Now, some people theorize that the caller was spooked when Jacob answered the phone because they may have been fearful that her father would recognize their voice. I was wondering that. Or other people theorize that when he answered the phone, the caller might have believed that they had changed their phone number finally, and he was at the wrong Or he might just be number. a wuss, and he preys on women, and he's afraid of men. Um, yeah, I can see that. Um, the other part of me, like, some, there were a lot of articles that were like, well, why did they keep their phone number for years knowing these these calls would come? And I'm sorry, but they don't know what's happened to their daughter. And what if she calls that number one day and they've disconnected? No, yeah, I get that. I can see the family saying, we're not changing our number. Even though we're getting these calls, we're hanging on to that little thread of hope that one of these days it'll be Dorothy calling. So calls end temporarily after Jacob answers. On August 6, 1984, about 30 feet from Santa Ana, Santa Ana Canyon Road, a construction worker would find the remains of a dog on top of human remains. Uh. Many people believe this might have been a coincidence. Others believe that the dog's remains were placed on top of the human remains to throw off any potential scent dogs. The remains had been charred, and authorities believe that the remains had been there for at least two years as a bushfire had gone through the area in 1982. A turquoise ring and watch were recovered, and Vera Scott would identify them as Dorothy's. The watch had stopped at 12.32 a.m. on May 29th, just one hour after Dorothy had been abducted. The night she went missing. Mm -hmm. An autopsy was not able to determine the cause of death, and the remains were later confirmed to be that of Dorothy Scott's via dental records. So he, he did very possibly just call to harass them. Yes. The family would begin to be harassed all over again after her remains were discovered, and a whole small wave of phone calls would begin. A man would call and ask if Dorothy was home, much like he did in the past. Now, unfortunately, police were never able to trace the calls because all of the calls were so brief. And thankfully for Dorothy's family, I could only find documentation of two calls after her remains were found. Yeah, thank God. When you said they started again, I thought it was going to be another four years. No, not this time. Police investigation doesn't get them far. They just don't have anything to go off of. They don't know anything. The only potential motive they were able to find was one that came in a couple weeks after her disappearance. An unidentified man had called the Orange County Register. The paper had just run a story about Dorothy Scott. And the man would tell them, quote, I killed her. I killed Dorothy Scott. She was my love. I caught her cheating with another man. She denied having someone else. I killed her. Okay, that is kind of eerie, given the phone calls and stuff. Like The caller had also stated that they knew Conrad Bostrone had been in the hospital due to a spider bite. They knew that Dorothy and co-workers had stopped at her house before getting to the ER. They also knew that Dorothy had been wearing a red scarf, which she had changed from a black one to a red one at her parents' house. So they knew some of these small details. And the reason this is a big deal is because at the time, those details were not published. None of those small details were known to the public. 
did they publish them by chance? That newspaper, or did hopefully no. the police were like, "Hey, shut up! Don't tell people that." No, the the newspaper did not give those details. Okay, good on good on them. They had already run a story at that point, right? And that story did not include those details. I feel like it could very be it could very easily be like new evidence, you know, like sensational. It could have been used to sell more, and I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. From what I could find, it kind of seemed like they didn't do much with it. Like, nothing, because they didn't know anything, right? It didn't, yeah, this person has details, but what are we going to do with it, you know? And they didn't even know at the time if those details were accurate. I wonder, too, like, this guy, I don't, supposed guy, I guess it could be a woman, this person. I just don't understand why they're calling everybody all the time, too, like, and bragging about it. Like, do you, do you want to get caught? Or are you just trying to relive this? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But again, the caller also claimed that Dorothy had called him while at the hospital. This claim is disputed again by Pam Head. And she remains adamant that the only time Dorothy and her were separated at the hospital is when Dorothy went to go get her car. So, so you're probably a dirty liar, Mr. Sir. Yeah. He's already clearly not. He's got a screw loose somewhere. Well, he's already a liar because he called that family tormenting them. They didn't know if she was dead or alive. Some weeks he would say she was alive. Some weeks he would say he had her. Like, he he tormented this family. Yeah. Now, the caller had remained anonymous, and police do believe this man to be the culprit. To this day, the culprit has not been found, and the murder of Dorothy Scott remains unsolved. <laughs> well, I hated this. Oh, it's not done. What? I've got one theory. Many people speculate that Dorothy's murder had to do or had something to do with the occult. And this is believed by many because of the dog remains that were found with her. And because of this, some people kind of believe that one Mr. Mike Butler may have been responsible for her death. Mike Butler was a local. He had what they called alternative uh, or alternate religious beliefs. He was kind of like out there. Uh, He was... Many people stated that Mike was obsessed with Dorothy and Mike's sister worked at the same shop as Dorothy. Oh. Now, Jacob Scott had reportedly crossed paths with Mike Butler. So if Jacob was familiar with Mike Butler, it could be assumed that when Jacob answered the phone, it could have spooked Mike Butler because he would have been like, no, Jacob's going to know my voice. And that's why he didn't say anything. Right. Butler was never a suspect, at least not a strong suspect in the police investigation, but they also didn't have a lot because they never had evidence to consider anyone a suspect or a person of interest. Since then, Mike Butler has passed away, so if it was him, he took that to his grave with him. Dorothy Scott's family would hold a memorial service for her on August 22nd, 1984. And during the service, her brother, Jim Scott, would speak. And this is what he said, quote, I spent time with her in her last days, a lot of time. To me, she exemplified the word give. She just give and give and give, no matter what it cost her. She spent her last hours giving and being concerned about others. That's like, okay, that's heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. And that's the story of Dorothy Scott. Uh, I will say, I know her mother and father have since passed away. Her son is alive and well. He was so young when his mother was murdered. He doesn't have a lot of memories of her. He, I know her son also believes that Mike Butler was responsible for her death. At least the articles I could find. That's really sad, too. That he just doesn't really have any memories of her. He was, he was only four. Yeah. I just, I don't know if that would make it harder or, I imagine it would, to... To basically, like, not even know her. Right. Especially when she sounds like such a, a freaking, just someone that everyone should know. Yeah, it was, it wasn't as bad as, at least details-wise, as the other ones I did from that one. Um, I think you should not go back to that website for at least 64 days. Why 64 days? I don't know. It's the first thing that comes to mind. 64 days. Three months and four days. No, two months. I didn't even, I didn't listen (laughs) to you. Point is, is I think I've gotten most of those stories on the article covered because that also, I got the Hinterkaifeck. 
that murder that's a good story crime stories let me find it really quick yeah, sure why not get another one while you're at it oh angela hammond was one mm. i haven't done that one yet hinter kaifek dorothy i haven't done that one i haven't done that one good i haven't done that one <laughs> that one Oh, I'm just kidding. There's not as many as I thought completed on this list. Well, I am glad that you did this story because when you said the thing about the dead rose and when you said that they took um, her co-worker to the hospital, I did know this story, but I didn't know the woman's name. And I always feel bad when I do that, like when I know the story and I don't know the victim. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. I took care of it. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, Are you ready for something less horrible? Because yeah. That's, that's supposed to be your story. Okay, well, I'm actually really excited about this one. It was really fun to research. Do you want to hear of how I came up with this idea? I would love to. Perfect, because I was going to tell you regardless. So, okay. so Annie's lease on the crib is like rapidly um, ending. Her eviction notice is coming. Mm-hmm. So we've been, and by we, I mean me, um, I've been really pounding this you can't sleep with mom anymore you have to sleep with in your crib so we can move her to a toddler bed so one night oh my god she woke up like five times and she woke up a lot between like i don't even know late late at night well one of the times what i've been doing is singing to her nursery rhymes and on the baby monitor it has an option where we can play nursery rhymes we can play like rain birds you know the the white noise well i was singing to her a nursery rhyme and i changed it to that tune and she eventually fell back asleep well so did i and so i just woke up at like 3 30 in the morning and the baby monitor was still playing this nursery rhyme in the middle of the night and it was just the creepiest thing that i've ever heard in my life so i very quickly turned it off and then i also very quickly googled this and took a screenshot so i would remember to make you a nice little list of nursery rhymes and how they came about oh i'm so excited not really but that's because you're gonna ruin nursery rhymes for me i am yeah fine i started with the classic little miss muffet do you remember this one little miss muffet sat on the tuffet eating her curds and whey when along came a spider and sat down beside her Oh, I don't remember the rest. Oh, and scared little Miss Muffet away. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> this isn't proven, but it's believed to be uh, pretty real. It's believed to be about Thomas Muffet. And he was born in the mid-1500s. He was a naturalist and a physician. He was best known for his studies of insects and arthropods in medicine. And he was particularly fond of spiders. So legend has it. Thomas Muffet would crush spiders and feed them to his patients as cures to their illnesses. And he also allegedly did this with his stepdaughter, who would be Little Miss Muffet in the rhyme. Listen, don't crush up spiders. First of all, I have a fear of crushing spiders and all the babies just emerging. Oh, no. Like you see people on the internet, for whatever reason, crushing their nests and all these little baby spiders are just released into the world. Yeah. Why did you not set it on fire? Why did you not do that? Why did we not go that route? Right, right. So the fact that he's crushing up these spiders and they're just, he's not like, you know, he's getting all the babies in there. Like, that's awful. Mm -hmm. That is the worst thing I've ever heard. And I don't like second fear next to birds. Look, I'm telling you right now, if my doctor came to me, which I have an appointment next month. If my doctor, my GI came to me and was like, hey, so we've been doing these cool, cool studies and I've got great news for you. All you have to do is eat three spiders a day and it'll cure your ulcerative colitis. I'll be like, no, bro, I'm good pooping. Like, that's fine. I'm not doing that. I will live with ulcerative colitis. Yes, I will be. I will make it work. I've come this far. I'm good. So this next one, we're going to go to Trinidad, okay? Okay. It is called Dodo Pity Popo, and it's short and sweet. Well, it's short. I have a video that 
I, I'm not going to upload it, but we can use some music. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is a video of um, some men in Trinidad singing this song, singing this little nursery rhyme. It's pretty catchy, right? I guess you could call it that. <laughs> this video is it's on YouTube. It was uploaded by Cat Vixen Chick. And it's I was gonna put the title on here. The title is Trinidad Patois Song Dodo Pity Pop. So if you want to go see it, that's where you can find it. And the song translates to Sleep little baby, the little baby doesn't want to sleep. The jumbi will eat him. The sukuyan will suck his blood. Well, that's an overreaction. <laughs> um, okay, so this story is based on a jumbi. In some parts of the Caribbean, they call it a duppy. And it's basically a spirit or a demon that just gives humans hell. It's not nice. Very malicious. Wait, but aren't those all demons, though? Well, that depends if you if you think it's a spirit instead of a demon. Some people think it's a demon. Some people describe it more of a, as a spirit. The people that believe that it is a spirit, it is not a nice spirit. Okay. And it's kind of an umbrella term because there are many different kinds. Uh, different cultures have different jumbies. But the one thing that seemed to stay the same between all the cultures is most, if not all, believe that if you are evil in life, you will become an instrument of evil in death. And that instrument is a jumbi. Okay. And the last line of this cute little ditty talks about the sukuyan. I think you're going to like her. The sukuyan oh, okay. is also Caribbean folklore, and she's a shape-shifting witch. By day, she is a reclusive woman, but at night... At night, it's time to party. Gonna party? Yeah, she's going to party. She takes her skin off. She puts it in a mortar. And she shifts into her true form, which is a fireball. And she flies across the sky in search of a victim. And when she finds one, she sucks their blood. Is she a fire sign? Like, is she an Aries? Uh, I think it can vary. Because I, I can tell you, I did find out, because I was interested, how women become sukuyans. Okay. They become sukuyans by being bit by a sukuyan. And some people believe that they only attack people or women because they are always depicted as women that commit evil deeds. So if you want to be a blood-sucking fireball every night, just go be a bad person. Listen. They might be my spirit animal. <laughs> I, I knew that you would you would like her. Well, staying home all day and then going not out kind of in, anybody. No, yeah, I don't have to talk to anyone. I can be a recluse. Mm -hmm. And then at night I can just party up on my own. I don't have to go out and a party yeah. with people. It's all on my own. Done. Mm -hmm. Just slip out of your skin, throw it on the get in your oh. birthday suit. Yeah. Leave it on the, the hearth. <laughs> I don't have a mortar, but I, uh, I can hang it over a bonfire in the backyard that I can start myself because I am a ball of fire. See? Okay. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So done. Spirit animal. Um, I don't know that I've done anything to become one. Mm -hmm. God, I hope I haven't done anything to become one, <laughs> but I'll be friends with them if they need a friend. I think they might. They might need a friend. Okay. That's fine. So the next one, I think you also know. Uh, have you ever heard of Mary Had a Little Lamb? Oh, yeah. Did you know there was like four verses? Oh, yeah. That thing is longer than shit. It's so long. I'm about to read it all to you. Okay. Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. It followed her to school one day, which was against the rules. It made the children laugh and play to see a lamb at school. And so the teacher turned it out, but still it, ninger, it lingered near and waited patiently about till Mary did appear. Why does the love the lamb love Mary so the eager? Good God. Why does the lamb love Mary so the eager children cry? Why Mary loves the lamb, you know, the teacher did reply. 
I never knew it was that long. Oh, yeah. I didn't know the whole thing. I just knew it was long. This one isn't creepy at all. This is my... I tried to, you know, lighten it up a little bit here. But this one's true. It's based on a true story. You know what? I did have a picture that I forgot to put on the, the drive. My bad. I fucking created shit for you and you shunned it you were like no i don't even want your bullshit because i wasn't gonna put it on there you know what you can google it it's fine no because now our listeners are gonna want to see it hey fine i'll find it and i'll put it i'll put it in there um so there people think that this story is about a girl named mary sawyer she was 14 years old and she actually did have a little lamb and one day her older brother convinced it to convinced her to take it to school with her and she tried to hide it but Hello, we all know the rhyme. The teacher was like, no, ma'am, and threw the lamb outside. Uh, But there's some beef with this lamb. Did you like that? I wrote that down. The lamb doesn't have beef. We have beef with the lamb. Specifically, Massachusetts and New Hampshire have beef over this lamb. Okay. Okay. So there is a statue in Sterling, Massachusetts called Mary's Little Lamb Statue. It's on the corner of Main Street and Meeting House Hill Road. In Massachusetts, they claim that this poem was written in 1815 by John Ralston when he was visiting the school the day that Mary happened to bring the lamb with her. And they, it's rumored that they erected this lamb after Mary's house burned down. So they put this little lamb statue here as an homage to her and where this nursery rhyme began. Now, Newport, New Hampshire is like, no, 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 that's not true. They claim that the poem was written in their town by Sarah Josepha Hale in 1830. And they said that she wrote this poem in a collection of poems that she called Poems for Our Children and then published it. And skeptics of this, now I could not find if these skeptics are from Massachusetts or not. I feel like that's important. But... Skeptics argue that Sarah just added the last three verses of the song and then published it and just kind of like took credit for the whole thing. Okay, but she would have done three-fourths of the work. Yeah, but she wouldn't have had the three-fourths if it wouldn't have been for that first quarter. Okay, valid. I'm just saying. What do you have against Mr. Ralston? I don't have anything against him. I was actually about to say also her verses are not well known, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, honestly, like I never even knew they existed until I was researching this. And I was like, what? That's real? So I will put the, the I will put the statue, the picture of Mary's little lamb statue up on the drive. I think I already have found it so I can do it. Okay. It's literally a statue of a lamb. It's I mean, it's cute. So we're going to go to Australia now. Okay. Which I would love to do. This nursery rhyme is called Babes in the Woods, which just it also feels very Australia. I love it. Oh, my friends, don't you know how a long time ago there were two little children whose names I don't know. They were taken away on a cold winter's day and left in the woods, so I heard some folks say. And they sobbed and they sighed and they bitterly cried till at last they grew weary and lay down and died. And the robin so red, I'm sorry, she just whipped her head up. And and the robin so red when they saw they were dead took strawberry leaves and over them spread, oh, babes in the woods, poor babes in the woods. How sad is the story of the babes in the woods? This is based on a fairy tale, actually. And two children are lost in the forest. Some sources said that they were Jack and Jill or and Hansel they, and Gretel. At the wood, look, if your kids don't go in the woods, I played in the woods a lot as a child. So... I can't really say anything against that. Um, but find your way out, at least. Leave a trail of breadcrumbs. I think that works. <laughs> I think so, too. You don't get yeah. led to a candy house with a witch that's going to eat you. Oh, absolutely not. Not if you not with the breadcrumbs. <laughs> uh, the sources didn't say how. Like, some said they were playing. Some said that the kids were unwanted and their parents just abandoned them in the woods, which, okay. That feels, yeah, real, like, the epitome of rude. But either way, um, as the story goes, they were left to fend for themselves, and 
they eventually die at the end. Real cute story. Yeah. Um, sweet. Okay. <laughs> the next one has is from Iceland. It's called BM BM Bumbalo, which I say I that really, again for me. BM BM Bumbalo. Say it one more time. BM, a little bit faster. BM BM Bumbalo. Now say it six times fast. BM BM Bumbalo. 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 Look, I have researched. Okay, there's there's another video of a woman singing this on YouTube. Seriously, just it's so so pretty. Are you ready for this one? Yes, as long as you say it one more time. Uh, at least two more times. Okay. BM BM Bombalo, Bombalo, and Dilly Dilly Do. My little friend and I lull to rest, but outside a face looms at the window. When the mighty mountains fill your chest with burning desire, I will play the lang spill and soothe your mind. BM BM Bombalo, Bombalo, and Dilly Dilly Do. My little friend, I lull to rest, but outside a face looks at the window. When the cruel storms rage and the dark blizzard crouches above, I shall light five candles and drive away the winter shadows. So it kind of sounds like you're really pretty, right? Uh, something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, the BM BM is a monster and it waits outside children's windows at night and then lulls them away. Okay, um, that doesn't sound great. Oh uh, no. Uh what sounds even worse is what okay, so, uh, let's just get into it. The story is believed to be or the rhyme is believed to be based on a play that was written in 1911. It was written by Johann Sigur Jansson, Sigur Jansson. Uh okay. and he wrote the play about Fiala Avendush. Avendush was an Icelandic outlaw, and he was said to have fled to the remote highlands of Iceland, where he lived in the wilderness for 20 years. In this play, the mother is soothing her child to sleep so she can drown them and run away with Avendish as he escapes authorities. That doesn't seem like a great look. And from what I read, it's like really popular in Iceland today uh and that's all i've got this week for creepy nursery rhymes but i might come back to it because i found a lot more and i had to be like let's cut it down a little bit i don't approve i really really like the one um dodo pity popo the video that we watched it just sounds so happy when it's not translated to english yeah but that's okay we just we won't get into it so no nursery rhymes for my children. Got it. Um, I mean, I can do Mary Had a Little yeah, Lamb. Mary Had a Little Lamb was okay. Little Miss Muffet was just, it's never proven. She has claims that her stepfather was crushing up spiders. Well, she never said it herself. Well, I'm assuming that she has. I mean... I never, okay, look, it's real uncomfortable for me still. I know medicine had to go through some real dark times, but why? Why you gotta go that far? I am just telling you, I don't approve. I also, I'm sorry that both of our uh, stories involved spiders this week. Oh, they did, didn't they? Yeah. Listen, again, I'm okay with spiders. I As long as you don't crush them and a million babies come out. As long as I don't crush them and have to eat them, too, that's, I'd rather not do that. Can you just imagine, like, if that was a real thing and you go to, okay, first of all, that one involves spider farms where people have to do this. But you go to the pharmacy to pick up your prescription and they give you one of those little orange bottles filled with a bunch of just dead shriveled spiders and you just have to take one a day. Okay, so your but cough goes away. Eating them doesn't really bother. It's the thought of crushing them up that bothers me. Because I know there's like, what is it? Cam Cambodia. They eat spiders. Yes. There I'm are places sure. in the world where they eat spiders. I know my mom. My mom did not eat spiders. But one time she might have. Uh, she went to like a museum. And they had where she ate 
No, she said she ate ants. She ate just a bunch of. There's a word for it, but I'm not that scientist. Yeah, where they just had all these bugs that you could try, and she did. So, like, I'm with you. I would probably try it. Like, I ate a, it was a barbecue flavored cricket before. It was, you know what? It wasn't the worst thing I've ever eaten. Let's just leave it. I didn't say I would eat them. I just don't care if people do eat them. Okay. I feel like I would try it. But I'm with you with, like, the crushing it up with a mortar and pestle. Like, I, mm, it just feels. That's where it gets me. The thought of crushing it and, Point is, is that um, the only way I'm eating it is if it's wrapped up with a shit ton of hot sauce. Tortilla, spiders, hot sauce. How would you prepare it, though? In a skillet on a grill? The spiders? I don't know what's the best way to prepare spiders. What kind of spider are we talking about? Because if we're talking like like a black widow, you know, they don't get that big. But then you've got the banana spiders that get pretty. You could grill that sucker. I'm going to assume probably like the size of a tarantula. So I would probably Mm -hmm. fry it. Coat it in like a good, you know, like a chicken nugget batter batter or something. Yeah. Yeah. Some sort of batter. And make a spider nugget. Yeah. Okay. Covered in hot sauce. Hairy little legs would be like. I don't want to. Surely the surely the hot grease would take care of that, right? Like it would disintegrate it maybe. And you would just be stuck with the legs. I would think. I don't know. I can shave them before. I don't know. I would love to see you shave a spider. <laughs> yeah. Do you use a regular razor or do you have like a tiny spider sized razor? It'd be like the barber <laughs> razors, you know, the single the straight razors. Just, yeah. That, that's the word. <laughs> just right down their leg. Mm-hmm. Now don't move. Or I'm just going to take it right off. <laughs> it's going to be dead before then. I would hope if you're trying to save it. Well, I think if it's dead, it can't move. True. Yeah. So I'm good. I guess that's how that's probably how they do chickens. They probably pluck them after. Yeah. I hope that just feels mean. Yeah, I'm positive they pluck them after. Okay. So All right. Chickens and spiders—they're both plucked after. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. I'm glad. We At got least that that's what out. we're deciding. Yeah, that's what yeah, we're deciding what right we- here and now. If you take anything from this episode, that's what it is. <laughs> all right, all, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram, Hell on Heels podcast, Twitter, Hell on Heels pod, or Facebook, Hell on Heels podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Hell on Heels podcast Linktree. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon where we're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal story suggestions or words of encouragement, please email us at helenhealspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye. Bye.